Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Teen Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, dear friends. How's everyone? I'm good. I had a birthday this week. I'm 31 years young. (laughs) Is that the worst when people say that? Anyway, I went to hot yoga this morning and sweated out like three full days of binge birthday eating, including like 19 pieces of bread and Italian food I had last night. So that was tough. That wasn't easy. Um, I basically usually burn like 500 to 550 calories during my hot yoga, and today I burned about like 350, if that tells you um, about how much movement I was doing in this class. (laughs) So it's been a tough morning, but here I am. Feathers in my hair. First of all, right off the bat, I'm going to do a throwback episode. I watched Team Amoji. I just realized I didn't pull my notes, so let me do that. Except, it, you know, it wasn't called Teen Mom OG then. It was called just Teen Mom. I watched season two, episode four. I think it's episode four. I should double check, but I'm going to go with my gut and say it's episode four. Let me just say right off the bat that Teen Mom 2 was always the superior series. Even watching this episode, I was kind of like, mm, mm, I don't know. So that's where I am with that. But first, I need to talk about, before I get into that throwback episode, which was good, don't get me wrong, but like compared to the Team Mom 2 Season 2 stuff that I watched last week, it's like not not on the same level, in my opinion. Anyway, where was I? Oh, I have some things to discuss, which is that I want to talk about the Janelle and David news from this week, and I also want to touch on Leah Messer. (laughs) But first, okay, so there's this Twitter account. I'm not going to name the Twitter account. You can find it. I don't need to put her name on blast on here. There's a Twitter account that has been releasing videos that were filmed by Janelle of her and David fighting, including text messages, Facebook messages between David and Janelle. They all are obviously, I mean, I guess we don't know about the Facebook messages, but the videos are very real. Could not be faked. I've posted them on my Instagram account, EVP underscore feathers. If you're not following me on Instagram, you're really not getting, like, a lot of material that I'm putting out there about this fucking show. By the way, there's an Instagram account called Teen Mom Shade Room, which just copies the Shade Room Instagram account and will be like, hey, roommates, like, which is very bizarre. And they post some weird shit. And I don't really understand, like, why they have 16,000 followers. Because they don't seem to have, like, deep understandings of the drama. And they will post shit, like, they contacted one of Cortland, Janelle's ex-husband's family friends, to ask about his sobriety. I'm like, who the fuck are they talking to? None of it makes any sense. I'm off track. track. So, there is a Twitter account. And people are quite confused about where this information is coming from. And while I do not know where this Twitter account is getting information, I want to clear up what this Twitter account is. People on Reddit 
seem very confused, rightfully so. Some people on Twitter confused, but less so because this is a Twitter-centered conversation. And it's something that this account is a little hard to follow. Like, it's a little hard to understand this if you're not part of the Twitter hatter scene, as they call it. Now, as I've talked about, like, years ago, I was very deeply involved in it. I really haven't been for, like, four or five years. The only people that I still follow on my main account uh, that were part of that are people that, like, don't... We've all moved on from talking about Teen Mom. There's still people that... I talked to on Twitter from those days that, like, we are great Twitter friends. Um, But any of, like, the big hatters that are still deeply into Janelle, I've unfollowed on my main account. I'll follow some of them on my um, podcast account, which I honestly have, like, abandoned my podcast Twitter because I just – I much prefer Instagram, my Instagram, and I get, like, a lot of engagement on there, and it's fun talking to everybody, and more people are on Instagram than Twitter these days, I think. Anyway, I'm off top. I'm off topic. But the deal is, what is the deal? Oh, so this Twitter has been leaking videos, messages, etc. And I think a lot of people are confused about who this person is. This person is a Twitter hatter. She, the person running the account is not Marissa, as has been guessed, which is insane. It's not Whitney, Marissa's mom, as has been guessed. It's not production, as has been guessed. The person running the account is a longtime Twitter hatter. I really, I hate saying hatter out loud. When I write it, it like doesn't get to me, but when I say it out loud, so I'm just going to say a longtime Twitter hater. She is part of the clique of Twitter haters. Um, Her account is only about a year old because I guess her old account was suspended. Now, I wasn't even following this person, but I know she's a longtime Twitter hater. Now I'm fucking myself up. I know she's a longtime Twitter hater because when I scroll, well, first of all, she's followed by a bunch of people that I know, um, you know, like a bunch of people that I follow and interact with or used to follow and interact with. And she's talking, if you scroll through her timeline, she's talking about Twitter hater drama. There's, you guys, I... (laughs) There's a lot of drama in the Twitter hater community, which is why I mostly am no longer part of it, but really don't judge it that much because you guys know I'm like deeply involved in Reddit. And to be honest, I don't understand. I don't think there's any difference. If you're in the team on fandom, like you're a fucking loser. And when I say you, I mean Liz Bentley, you're a fucking loser. I'm at 100% including myself in this. And I just think it's funny because Reddit and Twitter like mostly hate each other, but like it's same shit, different pot type of situation. So this is not me like judging anybody in the Twitter hater scene. Of course, there are some fucking crazy people in there, but then there are some fucking crazy people on Reddit in which I'm deeply involved. So whatever, no real judgment from me. But this person has long been on Twitter. The people they're talking to, talking about way, like, predate David even being in the picture. This is drama that goes back in years and years and years. Um, the same, like, 30 people have been fighting with each other since about 2013. <laughs> Which is the reason I'm no longer involved in it, because I just, I got bored of it, basically. Not because I'm better than the people fighting, I just got bored of that specific type of drama and took my online fighting somewhere else, because you guys know I love to fight online. It's a release for me. Then I don't have to fight in real life. But yeah, so the person leaking the information, I know for a fact to be a longtime Twitter hatter slash hater. 
This is just a factual statement. People have come at me on Reddit to be like, well, how do you know it's not production? Or how do you know it's not Mercer? How do you know it's not Whitney? And I know this because I am peripherally, I didn't say that right, but I'm on like the outskirts of the scene because I was in it many years ago and I still interact with people from it. And I can tell by who this person interacts with, what they talk about, the drama that they're talking about, that they are somebody that's been very involved. So for it to be Whitney, who is Marissa's mother, David's ex, this would have to be a like six year long con before David even met Janelle to like take David down. It's just not possible. The account's definitely not run by an 11 year old. Most likely she's a woman who's in her, most, most of the Twitter adders are women who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s. I don't know anything about her personally. Like, I don't I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her. I've literally no opinions on her. Uh, I was Like I said, I wasn't following that account. She wasn't somebody that I was still following. I don't even know if I followed her old, old account. I don't know what the name of it was. I just know that she had an old account. And, yeah, that's it. Like, I just want to put on record that this is not... The account that's leaking this information is not is not like production of Marissa or Whitney or whoever. Now, who is this Twitter hatter getting the information from? That I have no fucking clue. But these are like real videos that Janelle took of her and David fighting. That's something that Janelle does. Um, There's been speculation that possibly, this is crazy, that Marissa got on the cloud and (laughs) like the shared cloud on like an iPad and downloaded Janelle's videos and maybe sent them to this person, which to me seems legitimately insane that an 11-year-old would be that deeply involved in the Twitter hatter drama that she would have found this random account. (laughs) Because before she started leaking stuff, she only had about 150 followers because she, I think, maybe had been private for a time. I'm not sure. Like I said, her old account had been, I believe, suspended or she changed accounts. I don't actually know for sure what happened. I saw a comment that said her old account had been uh, suspended. I basically, I have no clue where this person is getting these videos from, but I feel pretty confident to say she's not getting them from an 11-year-old Marissa. Now, is it possible that Marissa downloaded these videos, gave them to her mom, and her mom gave them to this Twitter hatter? I guess. I guess guess it's possible. I find that hard to believe. Um, That doesn't seem that likely to me. My guess, my guess bet, my best guess is that Janelle at one point sent these videos to either Jamie, who could be, you know, in communication with Twitter haters. That's possible. But what I really think is Janelle sent these videos to one of David's sister's who have spent a lot of time fighting on Twitter with people and go in and out with being friends and enemies with the Twitter people and the Facebook people. The sisters, April and Jessica, are involved and they get into fights with David. You know, usually they hate Janelle but are on Team David, but they also get into fights with David. So I'm wondering if maybe my best guess, and honestly, this could be so wrong. My best guess would be that one of, that Janelle and David got into these fights, then maybe Janelle is fighting with one of the sisters. The sister is saying, like, you're the one that's wrong. David is perfect. Janelle sends a video and it's like, oh yeah, look at your perfect brother. Look at how he talks to me. Look at how he acts. Look at these, the bathroom he destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. And then maybe 
David and this sister got into a fight and she contacted one of the Twitter haters who she had, she had been in contact with. That would be my best guess, but really, like, it's a leak from someone close to Janelle to a Twitter hater. I'm not sure why this particular Twitter hater that actually claims that she was sent these same videos but did not post them because she wasn't sure who own, who took the videos and owned them. Most like, I mean, it's Chanel that took them and owned them. Um, and she didn't want to be sued for copyright, which... Mm, look... I'm not 100% sure I believe that Ashley there, but that does make sense. There is a bigger risk for a blog to publish unsourced videos where they're not sure who owns them than there is for just some random person on Twitter. That's just the reality of the situation. Like, if Janelle, Janelle would have more of a suit against Ashley and there'd be more to go after against Ashley for posting videos that you know, that she owns and she would against like an anonymous Twitter source, it'd be a lot harder to go against that Twitter person than it would be to go against the Ashley. So like that makes sense. But yeah, I just wanted to sum up that these videos are not from production. They're not from Marissa. They're probably not from David's wife or ex-wife. I actually don't know if he ever, yeah, I think he was married to Whitney. He wasn't married to Olivia, Caden's mom. The most likely not from these people and m- somehow a random Twitter hater got them and she's the one that's been leaking them and it's production is not running that Twitter. Marissa's not running that Twitter and Whitney's not running that Twitter. I just wanted to clear that up because people seem really, really confused. If none of that made sense, sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to talk for like 15 minutes about that, but you know, story of my life. Okay. Now, on to the Janelle and David news. The Ashley this week is saying that David and Janelle are no longer going to be trying to get unsupervised visits with either Marissa or Jace. Apparently, Marissa refused to see David at a, at a visit last week or this week, and he flipped out, and they've decided not to go after, like, not to try and get custody of her. And then the Ashley's like, they're not, they're also not going to go for unsupervised visitation of Jace, but they haven't, she didn't explain why or expand on that at all. It was mostly about this thing with Marissa. And then she like dropped in the information on Jace. Um, I want to hesitate people into treating this as fact for a couple reasons. One, because as I said with Princess, as I've said repeatedly, like CPS information is confidential. This is all coming from sources. We don't have any facts on this. It's entirely possible that this is just like straight made up. You guys know I trust Ashley and I believe her, but, you know, it's still a gossip site. It's still a tabloid. Also, you know, David and Janelle are very volatile people. Um, I mean, both. I was going to say especially David, but that's not true. Both of them are very volatile people. And it's possible they made some declaration that they're not going to go after Marissa's custody again and that they don't want unsupervised visits with Jace. But maybe they'll change their mind next week, you know, once they go in front of the judge again to get their parenting plan. So I'm not so sure how much I believe that. I'm not so sure how much I believe that they ever even said that. And I'm also not so sure that I believe that they'll stick to that. I'm just saying, like, we need to wait and see when it comes to that because it, it's just 
not everything's I just don't believe that everything is as cut and dry as like the Ashley finds out and reports it and it's completely factual I don't know it's just not that it's believable to me but it's also like I could also see it being completely fake if that makes sense to you guys okay that's really it oh also apparently they went to Washington DC for one day supposedly for business meetings which seems kind of weird that they would have business meetings for Janelle's cosmetic line in uh, D.C. Uh, it was pointed out that weed is legal in D.C., although it's, like, a little more complicated to buy because there aren't dispensaries, but it's not that complicated, so maybe they went for, like, edibles. I don't know. Here's the thing. I know they didn't take a one-day vacation to Washington, D.C., where they flew in and flew out on the same day. Why they were in D.C., I don't know. I also, like, don't care that much about what Janelle and David are doing, like, post-losing their kids. Like, there's a lot of, like, there was a picture of them supposedly at the mall, but it turned out it was an old picture, and people are like, I can't believe they're at the mall. And it's like, well, they're just going to, like, I don't know. I don't know what people expect. Like, David and Janelle are very bad people, and I don't really, do people think they're just going to lock themselves in their homes, totally get off social media, never go anywhere ever again? Like, no. If they had something planned for to go to D.C., like, I, why would they cancel it? Like, they don't care that they lost their kids that much. Janelle cares, but on, like, a surface level care. Janelle doesn't have, like, emotions that are similar to the rest of us. So, it for me, it's like, okay, so they went to D.C. for a day. Why do I give a fuck? But people were very, very upset by this because they dared to take a vacation and I don't know, my thing is, like, these, they're not going to have their kids for a long time, like, and they're assholes, and they're bad people, like, they're going to continue doing stuff like this, and it, it's just not that surprising to me, I'm not saying that they're not, it's not wrong, I don't know, I don't think it's wrong of them, like, they're just going to continue being bad people, <laughs> they just don't have their kids with them now, it's actually probably easier. Anyway, that's it for Janelle and David, um, it's sad, I mean, it's really... <laughs> It's really sad. Uh, if they really choose not to get custody back of Marissa, like, in the long run, I think it's absolutely for the best. She can go back to school. Apparently, her mom is doing better than she was. Her mom struggles with addiction issues, I guess, supposedly. Supposedly. And she, the mom is living with the grandmother of Marissa, although it is the grandmother that has the temporary custody and not the mom, Whitney. So... <sighs> I think in the long run it's for the best, but it's obviously, like, devastating if that's true. And I can't imagine the feeling of rejection. And I feel very proud of Marissa for refusing to see David. And the, the gossip is that Marissa testified against Janelle and David and was influential in them all being removed uh, in the temporary custody being granted. So it, it's heartbreaking, but I think in the long run, obviously, it will be for the best, but it's it's just very depressing. I can't, I can't imagine just like giving up on the older children. I also wonder how that would, if I'm a CPS worker, I'd be like, well, why don't you want your older kids to be here? This doesn't make any sense. For Jace, I mean, you guys know I've been screaming for supervised visitation of Jace for over a year since the gun incident happened. So I think that that's absolutely for the best. Do I think it's sad for Jace? Like, yeah, of course. But I think Jace's whole life, with Janelle has been sad and a series of abandonment. I don't mean to laugh. It's actually quite horrific. But I just think that that's Jace's life. And I do think that Jace 
only having supervised visits with Janelle. Like, I genuinely hope that that is true and that they don't go for super, don't go for unsupervised visits of uh, Jason that Barbara really sticks to that because I do not think any kids should be there unsupervised. But considering the leverage that Barbara has that, you know, the other guardians do not have, I definitely think that is what's needed. Um, Kaiser, I guess, is in Florida. There's still no been confirmation on where exactly he, he is. Ashley and Nate are in New Jersey this weekend. They're in Brick, New Jersey, according to their uh, Insta stories for a wedding. So I would assume maybe they dropped Kaiser off at Doris's on the way. Unless they have... It doesn't seem like she has family that lives in Florida. And he doesn't have family that lives in Florida. So I'm not sure where Kaiser would be if they're at a wedding. Um, not saying they like... Well, actually, no. I am saying, like, I don't understand why Nate's at a wedding this weekend in New Jersey. Unless they brought Kaiser with them. But I guess they could have because they posted a selfie in LA... Like, posted videos in LA Fitness. And I guess they could have dropped Kaiser off at the daycare there. They could have Kaiser. Okay, maybe they have Kaiser. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll see Kaiser pop up. But if they did not bring Kaiser, I'm going to call bullshit out on that. Even if it's Nate's friend... I think they could skip a wedding in this turmoil and that it's best for Nate to be with Kaiser as much as possible in this situation. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see ongoing what happens. Now, Leah announced this week that she is writing a book. Mm. She says, They are my reason for breaking my family cycle and why I decided to write this book. Apparently it's called Hope, Grace, Faith, which is her daughter's middle names. Now, I want to read this other post she wrote. Destructive, hurtful, and dysfunctional generational toxicity ended with me. My girls will always know that they are powerful and can shape the world around them any way they want. All feelings are important and can be expressed at any time. All of our voices deserve to be heard. Allie, Aaliyah, and Adeline, you are my hope, grace, faith. You girls saved me and are the reason we have a stronger foundation to stand on and grow. Okay. First of all, my dear friend Jess is going to read this book and then she's going to come on here and recap it for me. I didn't tell her she's going to do that, but she told me she's going to read the book. So can't wait for that. She loves to read the teen mom books. (laughs) Anyway, the idea that Leah... Okay. Let me get on my high horse for this. The idea that Leah has broken the cycle is a fucking joke. Leah's just not poor. Leah is still regularly fucking up as we saw this entire fucking season. Is Leah doing better than she was when she was on drugs three years ago? Sure. I don't think anybody would deny that. I think almost everybody, she can at least keep it together in front of the cameras, which to me implies that she's doing better because she got to a point where she couldn't keep it together at all. But the idea that Leah thinks that she's broken the generations of toxicity, which I would really like her to explain to me in layman's terms what that means, because I don't think she knows what that means. I think that somebody told her those words. Her daughters, her oldest daughters are, what, nine? Girl, you haven't broken shit. Your daughters are nine years old. Your fuck-ups, your years and years of fuck-ups, which are continuing to this day, including when you move those little girls into a house with a strange man, then move them out, then move them 
right back over to their ex-stepdaddy's house so you could fuck him while you had custody of them, while you had your visits. The idea that, like, that, she's, like, moved past all of this and now she'll know she's broken the cycle if her girls grow up, don't get pregnant, get college degrees or find fulfilling careers, get married, have babies, and live normal, stable lives. She hasn't broken shit yet. Her kids are too young. She's got three kids that could be teen moms. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry for saying that. You know, like she is so far out, not out of the woods yet when it comes to these kids. And for her to just declare that everything is broken and that all cycles have been broken broken is literally insane. This is someone who was married and divorced twice with three kids by the time she was 22 years old. <laughs> like, maybe 23. Leah, you are so, so fucking up. Don't tell me that this bullshit with Jason and Jeremy has no impact on her girls. We see how Addie's still all fucked up from it. I'm sure the teens are, or the twins are, but especially Addie who does not have you know, the Corey Miranda that she goes to every other week. It's just wild. It's wild. She's just not poor. She just made money on Teen Mom. Now, if Leah had written a post that was like, I acknowledge that I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and when it comes to parenting. I've put my girls at risk. I've harmed them and I continue to make mistakes. However, for the first time, for I am the first person in my family that's going to therapy. I'm the first person in my family that's recognizing the cycle. And I'm trying really hard to break it. However, I still mess up. I really want my daughters to have different opportunities than I did. And I hope that by going to therapy, is she going to therapy? That's a question for the ages, I guess. But she could say, you know, I'm hoping that my girls will be able to break the cycle. I'm trying to be more conscious parent than my parents were. I'm trying to give my girls stability that I did not have. I really messed up for the first six or seven years of their lives. And you know what? I just made a big mistake with Jason. And I really hope that doesn't have any long-term side effects in our relationship, my girls and I's relationship. But no, Leah's declared she's all better and that her girls are all better. It's insane. It's truly insane. Like... (laughs) Girl, you have multiple failed marriages. You went to rehab. You were a drug addict. You're still not sober. Remember, as she said on her podcast, she was only physically dependent. She had she wasn't an, an addict. She just like did drugs because she was physically dependent, which is always my favorite thing to hear people say. Um, she's still making terrible relationship decisions. <sighs> Leah, you're a fucking idiot. Really what it comes down to is that she's very dumb. And she's still very dumb. And it deeply worries me that she's now being made like a poster child for inspiration when she's a fucking idiot. Leah, you're a fucking idiot. Take a step back. Actually do work on yourself. Really, like, try and not rush into a relationship. Stop fucking your ex-husband that is never, ever going to work with and it just confuses your children. God, those posts, like, as you guys can now tell because I'm fucking ranting about it, just set me off because they're so stupid. (laughs) They're just so stupid. So, Leah, go fuck yourself. Honestly, go fuck yourself. 
figure it out first. Figure it out before declaring yourself healed. It's wild to just like declare yourself recovered like that. (laughs) It's really wild. And declare your daughters recovered from the endless trauma that they have experienced. Um, Leah's children score quite high on the ACEs test. Just saying they score quite, quite high on it. And that's just on the things that we know about. So maybe she should take a fucking step back and realize like, hey, wow, my, I think what she wants us to think is that like she has learned from her mistakes and therefore like everything is going to be golden with her kids. And what she's not understanding is that for six to seven years, she actually put her daughters through quite a lot of trauma, really bad trauma, especially when the twins are like five and six. And I think she thinks that, like, that's going to have no impact whatsoever on them as adults and teens. And the reality is that our early childhood trauma is actually shapes our brain and the way that we think and act. And she thinks because she's better that, like, and I'm using better in quotation marks because, as you guys know, because I dragged her off fucking season, I do not think she's better. But she thinks she's better because she has such little self-awareness about how her relationships affect others. Is that because she thinks she's better, that the girls will then be better. And that, like, everything she did in the past is like, oh, well, no big. Also, like, I want to know how her mom feels about her just, like, dragging her. <laughs> I think everybody should be able to speak their truth about their childhood and their parents, but I do wonder, like, what Dawn thinks when Leah talks about her generations of toxicity. <sighs> oh, God. Leah, you're a fucking dum-dum. Leah's a true bozo. We don't say bozo a lot, but, like, that's what she is. And the fact that nobody calls her out on this mm, really grinds my gears. All right, let's get into this episode right after a quick break. Okay, so I decided to watch this episode on recommendation from somebody on my Instagram. She said, hey, if you still want to do a Team Mama OG episode, you should do this one. So I did it. It is, like I said, I believe season two, episode four. I did not write down the title name, but I can find it for you very quickly. I where when sometimes people ask me where I get these episodes, I pay for them on Amazon like a real sucker because I don't illegally download anymore and I don't like to stream stuff. Um, it's called Spring Break. It's season two, episode four. Everyone is very young. It's very young. By the way, I stopped illegally downloading. I used to download everything. I loved torrenting. I loved it. I loved. It. I loved it. I torrented all the time. Everything I ever wanted to watch. And then I was living with my old roommate who was a dear, dear, dear friend. (laughs) And the Comcast or whatever we had was in her name. And she like sent me a picture of a letter she got. And (laughs) it was a letter from the whatever it's called that agency that gets you for torrenting. You know, that's like, hey, this is a warning. If you do this again, we're going to sue you. And it was for downloading Pretty Little Liars. And she was like, did you do this? And like, could you stop? Like nicely. But really the message was like, please don't fucking do this when the internet is in my name, you idiot. And I was like, wow, what if I got my roommate sued? Because like I downloaded Pretty Little Liars. (laughs) It was at that point that I became a fully legal babe. (laughs) 
Uh, I do miss torrenting, though. Anyway, although streaming, like, and everything being available on, like, every single streaming site makes things so easy. Anyway, I bought this on Amazon. As I said, season two, episode four, it's called Spring Break because Gary and Amber go on vacation. But I want to start with Macy, who, okay, here's the thing. I want to warn you guys that I'm sure you can tell that I am a PhD in Janelle. I have a master's level worth of information on Team Mom 2 in general. And I would say that I really only have an undergrad degree when it comes to Teen Mom, Teen Mom OG. Now, have I seen every episode? Yeah, of course. Well, that's not true for both shows. Did you guys know this? That, like, I went through a period of time where I didn't really watch the episodes. I would watch clips and read recaps and, like, participate online, which is the same exact thing as watching this show, as everybody that watch it doesn't watch the show anymore but just listens to me knows. But have I always kept up with Teen Mom? Like, yeah, of course. I watch... As I've talked about on the show, like, I watched Succeeding and Pregnant, season one, episode one. I watched Teen Mom, season one, episode one. Like, I've always watched the show. I've always followed it. Of course, when I, like, started following Janelle online, I then, and, like, doing all the Janelle stuff, like, of course, the other Teen Mom stuff would come up. And then especially since I found, like, sites like Teen Mom Junkie and then Reddit, I became, like, really well-versed in the other Teen Mom you know, like, stuff about Amber and Macy and all that would come up on Twitter, but, like, my Twitter obsession was, like, mostly focused towards Janelle. So that's why I have a PhD in Janelle, um, a master's degree in all the other Teen Mom 2 girls, because if you're following Janelle, you're following the other Teen Mom 2 girls. But I always just found Teen Mom OG, or just Teen Mom as it's called here, to be a less interesting show. I think that's true for most people. It's always crazy to me. There are quite a few people that I know or I've heard say that they only watch Teen Mom and never got into Teen Mom 2. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, Even in like the Teen Mom show oral history, there was like an article that Cosmo or something did on the oral history of Teen Mom. It says like the ratings for Teen Mom didn't pick up until Teen Mom 2 came on. Like, Team Mom 2 is the superior cast. It's the superior show. You know, like, I kept up when Amber went to prison. I kept up with all of that stuff. Guys, we're not a Philistine. Like, I keep up with all celebrity gossip. I keep up with all Teen Mom news. But it's just not early Teen Mom stuff, like, just isn't etched into my brain the way that, like, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of early Teen Mom 2. <laughs> Like, I, I'm pretty sure when I watched that episode last week, like, I had a very good understanding of what was going on, even though I had not watched those, that episode or the ones before it or after in, like, many, many, many years. But I, like, I had a pretty good awareness of what was happening. I'm sure, like, there were a couple things, you know, guys, I go into a fugue state when I record these. I'm sure there were a couple things where I was like, huh, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what happened before or after that. But I will say for this episode, like, I didn't remember a lot of this. Not... Not that I didn't remember, but I felt like my information was lacking a little and that I needed to go back and rewatch the early seasons of Teen Mom OG. Now, do I want to do that? No. Am I going to do that? Probably not, unless they put it back on Hulu. But that's how I felt when I was watching this. So I just want to give you that warning that early teen mom is not my, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of this. I have a general understanding. I remember the big hits. You know, I know all the players deeply. Um, 
anybody listening to this is probably like this insane bitch thinks she doesn't know teen mom og like is she out of her mind all she, she talks about it all the time i know but i just feel like i don't have the same deep 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 knowledge that i do for janelle that i do for janelle and the other girls that are on the show that janelle <gasps> oh 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 i need a moment and do you guys know what i was just gonna do there I was going to say for Janelle and the other girls that are on the show that Janelle is on. And Janelle's not on the fucking show anymore. Whoo. Wow, I might cry a little. That was like a real moment of like, wow, was that me accepting and processing and understanding that Janelle is no longer part of Teen Mom 2? Wow. Wowzer. Apparently this week on Coffee Convos, Jade will be on, you know, Kale Shitty Podcast. <laughs> Not to knock Kale, because as I've said before, like, I think Kale has the gift of the gab and actually is quite good at podcasting compared to, you know, I watched, okay, this is so off topic. I watched, for some, you guys know I love YouTube and YouTube drama. I watched H3H3's podcast because he was talking about the Tati, James Charles, Jeffree Star drama, which if you guys know anything about me, you would know I care deeply about that, like deeply, deeply. And I was watching his, and I don't watch H3H3 because that's, like, more boy stuff. And, you know, as I hope everyone here knows, like, I don't like most boy things. I like football. But, like, beyond that, like, things for boys don't care for. <laughs> Comic books don't care for. Action movies truly hate. <laughs> Video games, nope, don't care. <laughs> Unless it's Tetris or Super Mario Bros. Really, truly, nope, not for me. So I don't like a lot of bro-y things, so I don't listen to the H3H3 podcast. And his wife is like the guy H3H3, I guess his name is Ethan, has this wife that does the co-host. I have never heard anybody on a podcast less have the gift of the gab in my entire life. It was, I could not believe she was on a podcast. She was so fucking bad at it. Even Leah is better at podcasting than her. And that says a lot. Anyway, I think Kale, in a different format, could actually be quite good. I hate her co-host, Lindsay. And I think that she is stupid with a lot of the topics that she talks about and is not, is a liar. She's a, well, that's Kale's biggest issue, right? Is that she just, like, lies. (laughs) So stuff comes back to bite her and she contradicts herself on a lot of podcasts because she lies. But apparently Jade will be on coffee convos they taped it a couple weeks ago announcing that she's on teen mom too whoop-dee-doo anyway so yeah i when watching this teen mom episode i definitely was like where are we i know that this is post amber's first arrest i should have done more research research for this is what i'm saying but i didn't because i forgot (laughs) Because it was, it's my birthday. (laughs) Can I use that excuse? I didn't do deeper research for this because it was my birthday. But things that have happened. Actually, oh, I started with Macy, right? So yeah, Macy is with, sorry guys, I'm all over the place right now. I drank a monster energy drink, which is disgusting. That makes me like the pit of garbage of human, drinking monster energy drinks. And I, I don't really care if I offend anyone because I like include myself in that. But Macy is has hooked up with Kyle King. Yes, the infamous is Kyle Slow Kyle. I forgot just how slow he seemed. And 
she goes to visit her college friends. They're all so young in this episode. Like, Macy is probably 19. Maybe not even. But I think she's probably 19. Her friends are probably sophomores in college. Because it looked like she was in an apartment, not in a dorm room. And they're asking her about Kyle King. And she's like, I like him. They're selling us that Macy and Kyle were best friends. Which, Macy's that girl, right? That, like, has all of these guy best friends. But, like, they're not really her best friends. But then she starts to date them. And she's like, we were best friends for years. And it's like, were you? I think that's, like, who Macy is at her core. <laughs> is that rude? feels rude, but it seems accurate. Macy's a guy's girl, if you get what I mean. Although she has a lot of girlfriends, so that's not fair to say. Anyway, um, her friends are talking about Ryan's new girlfriend. He has a new girlfriend. Her name is Catherine. She didn't stick around for very long. I think that Ashley, like, she was on something, maybe an episode of something, a show. Not, I was going to say Survivor, but I don't think it was, like, a whole Survivor situation. She was, like, on, on an episode of something, so that Ashley interviewed her it was really uninteresting, but she seems pretty nice on this episode, except Macy's friends call her a whore. And I had, like, a full body cringe. Like, yo, times have changed, guys. Like, I can't believe we, we used to get on TV and call people whores. I know I was calling girls whores at this time. This was probably, like, 2009 or 2010. Like, I was still talking like that. I can't believe we just used to walk around calling girls whores. Just, like, openly with our friends. Like, what a slut. <laughs> It's crazy. Although on Vanderpump Rules, they, like, still... Stassi was just on the reunion calling girls whores because they, like, dared to breathe the same air as her boyfriend. Fuck Stassi Schroeder, by the way. If you like Stassi still after this season, if you've bought into it, mm -mm 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 -mm. But that's a different podcast. Actually, I have a Vanderpump Rules. If you're a patron, if you're a paid patron, at the beginning of this season, I went on, like, a 30-minute, like, scream into my mic rant about how much I hated Vanderpump Rules now. Anyway, I'm off track. So, Mace, we, we get this, like, weird voiceover where Macy's like, my car broke down, so I'm driving a rental car. And I'm thinking that that wasn't a rental car and that Macy bought that car and they wanted to explain away why she was suddenly driving a new t charger would be my guess. I think maybe she had gotten some like tabloid money because they definitely were not making big money from the show yet at this point. I believe in the second seasons, the girls get paid like $25,000 a season, something very, very, very minimal, but they were getting tabloid tent press by this time. Um, by this time, they had been, especially Macy. You know, Macy was, like, America's sweetheart at this time. She was doing her Candies Foundation stuff. She was doing, like, her abstinence-only education bullshit. She was speaking, already doing her speaking tour stuff, I believe. She was on magazine covers. Macy was already making money at this point, I believe. So, she's like, well, I'm driving a rental. And I was like, okay, sis. It was, like, just so weird. I don't know. We would, like, never hear that voice over these days. They never explain the cars anymore because we're allowed to know that they're rich because they're TV stars because the fourth wall is broken. So she goes to pick up Bentley from Ryan and she wants to talk about his girlfriend and Macy was like, how come your girlfriend didn't introduce herself? Because in the episode before, uh, Macy went to pick up Bentley and the girl stayed in the car. And Ryan was like, I told her not to get out of the car. Ryan is high in this episode. I think Ryan's had a problem for a long time. If not opiates, like, smoking a lot of pot for a long time. It's pretty obvious when you watch these. Like, I was kind of surprised at how slow and slurry and mumbling he already was at this point. 
So Macy feels frustrated that Ryan does not seem to have any interest in like fully co-parenting and like having, you know, like Macy's like, I need to know who's around Bentley. We need to make decisions together. And Ryan doesn't seem to give a fuck. So Macy is Bentley for a few days and she decides to wean Bentley off his pacifier and we get a shot of Bentley's room and there are clothes like I'm not that's not true I am one to judge a messy house but I don't like really care that much if someone's house is messy but it's just different than like the Macy that we know today I guess and it looked like there were clothes like she had cleared a path for her feet (laughs) They were literally spilling out of the closet. If you guys do end up watching this episode, like, just look in the background. They're spilling out of the closet all over the floor. It's kind of crazy. So, there are scenes of her, like, trying to wean. It's whatever. It's not that interesting. I did not, I do not miss these, like, scenes of them being parents to young kids. It's, like, not, it's not that compelling. I'll just say that. So, she gives Ryan Bentley for his visitation, and she's like, you cannot let him have the pacifier. He's almost 18 months. He was supposed to get rid of it at six months, which I don't think is true. I think it's fine for your baby to have a pacifier, like, two years, even maybe up to three years. But what do I know? I just think that's what I read before. And Ryan says the most drug addict thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, somebody would share this at a meeting, and everybody would laugh and be like, ha, 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 that's how alcoholics think. He goes, well, if it makes him happy, why not let him have it? (laughs) It's just such drug addict mentality to be like, yeah, but like, who cares about consequences? (sighs) Macy's working at a restaurant, which was surprising. Macy has never been one to like work a lot, I don't think. I feel like Macy gets a lot more credit than... Well, I guess that's not true. She supposedly has that marketing company. I take that back. We don't see Macy working a lot, is what I should say. Not that she does not work. Um, Catherine, his girlfriend, and Ryan are hanging out. I thought Catherine was pretty. She seemed nice. She obviously, like, dolled herself up for the camera, which, you know, I respect. And Catherine tells Ryan that she wants to meet Macy, and she doesn't want Macy to worry. Basically saying, like, exactly... She's exactly correct on what she's saying. And there's a little scene of Bentley finding a pacifier and Ryan's like, okay, go get it. And then Bentley like falls off a chair and smashes his face into a table. It was sad. (laughs) But I will say props to Ryan. He had a very quick reaction to it, not delayed at all, which I think current Ryan might be a little delayed on some reactions and gives Bentley's pacifier. Now, what I thought was interesting is Ryan and Catherine were instantly soothing him, and then Jen pops up, and this is the only appearance of Jen in this whole episode, and I can't remember, like, how much, this is what I mean by, like, I can't remember. I can't remember how much they showed Jen parenting, because as everybody else knows, for the last, like, five seasons, the whole storyline has been that Jen and Larry are Bentley's other parents, and Ryan pops around when he wants to. And it really did not feel like that was what they were going for in this uh, episode, which was a little surprising to me. But Jen pops up and comforts Crime Bentley. 
<sighs> Macy comes to pick up Bentley. She gets him up from his nap and realizes that Bentley has his pacifier right in his math, mouth. Um, Macy's walking out of the house with Bentley and Catherine, like, awkwardly starts talking to her. Okay, this is where I want to criticize Macy. So, Catherine is, like, awkwardly sitting in the kitchen. Ryan and Macy are talking, standing one inch next to her. Should Ryan have been like, hey, Macy, this is my girlfriend, Catherine? Yes, of course. That is what good manners would dictate. But I don't know why anyone, especially one Macy Deshaun Bookout. Why do I know Macy's middle name? Could someone riddle me why I know Macy's middle name? Sick. Um, why one Macy would not would expect Ryan of all people to have any sort of manners. So I don't understand if meeting Ryan's girlfriends is so important to, to Macy, why she doesn't just turn her body one inch because she's that close to Catherine and say, "Hi, I'm Macy. Nice to meet you. What's your name?" and reach out her hand to shake. I also don't. I'll also criticize Catherine here and say Catherine should have been like. Oh, hi, hi, Macy, I'm Catherine. Um, I guess Ryan's not going to introduce us and, like, make a joke out of it. But I will say, like, obviously Macy's the one with the power position, if you will. I think that's a way to describe it. Macy's the one that holds all of her cards here is Bentley's mom and Ryan's baby mama. And Catherine is just, like, a new girlfriend. And Macy knows this for a fact. So for Macy to not just, like, reach over and stick out her hand is very bizarre to me. And it harks back to, remember this season when Jen comes over and to pick up Bentley and, like, comes in their house and Macy does not say hello to her? And I said that was rude as fuck. I don't think Macy has good manners. I just want to say that. Manners are very important. It's important to talk to people around you, introduce yourself to people. And I just think that Macy is weird and doesn't have good manners and I don't understand why she wouldn't introduce herself to her to his girlfriend if it's so important for her that they meet and she knows she holds the cards there that's another thing that I don't love about Macy is that I feel like in a lot of situations she's aware that she holds the cards and I think this is like just growing up being like a popular girl in a small I actually don't know how small her school is but like a popular girl is that she has a lot of, like, mean girl tactics, and I think one of them is, like, come into Ryan's house, be making this big show of being Bentley's mom, and, like, have her back turned to the girlfriend and, like, not acknowledging her. Like, that's a mean girl, immature tactic. And yes, I know Macy was, like, 19 in this scene, so she was immature, but I think that she still does this. It's the same shit Kale does. Chelsea is probably guilty of this, but... I don't like, like, here's the thing, like, Kate would never do that. Caitlin would, like, turn around and be like, hi, I'm Caitlin, because she doesn't, she just doesn't act like that. Hi, 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 Macy. So, Catherine speaks up and lets Macy know that Bentley fell and that he hurt his little mouth, but he's okay, and they have, like, a little awkward conversation, but it goes fine. The episode ends with Macy and Kyle hanging out and Macy telling Kyle that, you know, she actually feels good that Catherine, like, told her about the mouth-hitting incident and that she would like to, you know, get to know her more. And our voiceover tells us that 
Macy is unsure of when she'll introduce Bentley and Kyle, even though she really likes Bentley. And surprise, it's not very long, and she moves Bentley in with them, like, quite quickly, right? Is that what happens? Anyway, that was it for Macy. Let's go on to Kate and Tyler, who are literally wearing braces. <laughs> they're 17 years old. I, they're so fucking young in this episode. So, if you guys will remember, Kate and Tyler get into this fight in early season two because it comes out that Caitlin had slept with her ex-boyfriend at one point when Kate had moved to Florida and Kate and Tyler were on a break and Caitlin had sex with this guy and didn't tell Tyler and then was talking to this guy again like not that long ago and Tyler felt very betrayed. So they had this huge blow-up fight, and this episode is now, like, the aftermath of this blow-up fight. If you guys will remember, this results in Tyler getting Caitlin's phone records and, like, dramatically throwing them into a lake without looking at them to prove that he trusts her. <laughs> I will say, it's interesting to watch Caitlin and Tyler in these early seasons because Tyler in this is still very much treated, like, by editing and by you know, the story as being Tyler or being like Caitlyn's boyfriend, um, not like Tyler star of the show Teen Mom OG. You know, now like Tyler is as much or more of a cast member as Kate and all the rest of the girls. Like, yeah, Kate's the mom. She's the star. But like Tyler has been there just as long as she has. And because they're married, like gets as many scenes as she does, basically gets a ton of his own scenes. Um, but at this point, they weren't really doing a lot of scenes of the dads on their own. I guess Ryan got a decent amount this episode, but that was really it. Uh, because a lot of the couples were still together. And I don't know, I just, it was interesting to watch because this was like all from Caitlyn's perspective. With, we were only seeing Tyler like with Caitlyn. And we weren't getting, like if this scene happened, if this episode happened now, we would get like five scenes of Tyler talking to his mom about it. It's just, it's very interesting how Kate-focused this episode was compared to Caitlin and Tyler as two starring roles. So, it's Caitlin's birthday. The episode starts with Caitlin's birthday and they're all at a skating rink and Butch and April are there together, which is crazy. They look crazy. They're like couple skating with Caitlin's little brother Nick who was like teeny tiny in this episode like six maybe he's so little maybe even younger because I don't think he's that much older than the kids I think he's like maybe four in this episode so Tyler's being really distant and Kate like can't have a good birthday because Tyler's being so distant with her so they go out to dinner and Tyler talks about how he has a lot of healing to do and he suggests couples therapy uh, which I mean I don't think was a bad idea for them I think they probably should have went to couples therapy like while Kate was pregnant and then after Kate was pregnant they should have both been in intense therapy to deal with the trauma of giving up Carly I think that they would have really benefited from that <laughs> I also think the idea of Kate cheating on Tyler I love that because you guys know I like I hate the way I hate the way the fandom treats Kate versus how they treat Tyler so I do like the idea of like Kate being the one to cheat on Tyler and I would like her to cheat on him now I'm <laughs> just kidding <laughs> by the way they just did a bunch of press for like the 10 year special of Teen Mom OG whatever and Kate looks really fucking good 
Like, her makeup and hair is on point, and she was actually wearing, like, a decent, not a good, because, I mean, this is Kate. Like, she's never going to have a good outfit on. But she was wearing, like, a decent outfit. Uh, first of all, as I told you guys on this podcast, when I met Kate, it was shocking how not fat she was in real life. Like, obviously, she's overweight. Like, she's fat. It's fine. I'm fat. She's fat. It's fine to say that word. But as I told you guys before, like, when I saw her, I she was standing next to a much bigger girl. And I was like, oh, shit, is that Kate? Because, like, my friend Billy had pointed, like, there's Kate and Tyler. And then I was like, no. And then he, like, pointed in the general, general direction. I spotted Tyler really quickly. And I thought the much bigger girl that was with them was Kate. And then I looked and I realized it wasn't. It was Kate was the girl that was standing next to her who looked like really normal. And it's because on TV she always wears these huge baggy clothes or her clothes are really unflattering on her. And I relate to that. I wear baggy clothes because baggy clothes are comfortable. And anytime I have like regular fitting clothes on, people are like, wow, have you lost weight? And it's like, no, I'm just not like... It's the same reason people think Chelsea was like 500 pounds in the early seasons, it's because she always wore super baggy clothes and now she lost 40 pounds and wears like all tight fitting clothes. So she looks a lot thinner. And I think that Kate's issue is that she always wears these big clothes. And so in this press she was doing, she looked great. My mom just called to ask if I need anything at Trader Joe's and I got really sidetracked. But yeah, oh, Kale looked, Kale. Kate looked really pretty in the press. Whoever does her hair and makeup in New York does a really really good job and she was wearing like a shirt that actually fit her and she looked great I will say like people are crazy when they talk about Kate's boobs and like I saw so many comments on reddit that are like she needs a boob job she must be in so much pain like she needs to get a breast reduction and I just want to say somebody that has really big boobs like mine are probably not that much smaller than Kate's like my boobs would I like smaller boobs like sure because like I would like shirts to fit better and it can be annoying, like, in clothes. But my boobs, like, don't hurt my back at all. I never wear a bra when I'm at home. I'm literally sitting braless right now. Like, I, like, pain-wise, my boobs don't, and, like, physically, like, my boobs are, I don't think about them, like, ever at all. It's just annoying in shirts. So, Kate does not need a breast reduction. Let's be real, Kate has quite a lot of money. If she wanted to get a breast reduction, she could get a breast reduction. And, it's possible she doesn't want a breast reduction. It's really possible that it does not hurt her back. If you guys don't know, I'm 5'1". I have very big boobs and they don't bother my back at all. I, like, they just don't offer and they don't give me any pain. So that's a TMI on my body. Anyway, let's talk back about this episode. <laughs> no fucking clue, like, how I got here. But I got here. I'm in my fugue state. <laughs> so Kate... And Tyler at dinner and Tyler says that he doesn't feel that they can get married if Kate won't let him into his life into her life completely and he says there's a wall there and Kate says that she does love him completely and Tyler says that he doesn't show it Tyler is extremely manipulative in this episode it like it's really wild to watch like how much she's manipulating Kate He's telling her, like, you don't show me that you love me. You have a wall up. Like, you're not helping me. You, We can't get married if you don't prove that you love me. I was like, yikes, Tyler's being manipulative. Kate starts crying and Tyler's like, it's nothing to be upset about. I don't understand why you're upset. And it's like, 
she's upset because you just told her that you don't think that she loves you completely. And she gave up her baby because she loves you so much. Never forget that, like, Kate gave up that baby because Tyler wanted her to. Now, was it the right choice? Yeah, a thousand, well, actually the right choice for her would have probably been an abortion. But between adopting out and parenting, did Kate make the right choice? Like, yeah, of course she did. But Tyler, like, is the one that really pushed her and basically said, like, we won't be together if you keep this baby. And that's why she did it. She was going to keep the baby. And then Tyler basically convinced her to give the baby up. And Tyler was not wrong there. And I think they made the right choice for that situation. But I can't imagine how much it hurts for Kate when Tyler's like, you don't show that you love me. And she's like, excuse me, I gave up a baby for you so that we could be together. We get a scene of Caitlin and April talking, and they're, I guess, living together. I guess Kate's not living with Tyler at this point. Should have done a little more research on Kate and Tyler's living situation. I guess Kim had already kicked her out. I think that happened in season one, and she hadn't gotten her own apartment. She may have been living with April at this point, and they sit on a kind of gross-looking bed. It's like a kind of gross-looking place that they're in. This is like Kate's so poor in this season. Like poor poor and it's pretty interesting to watch um from like the poverty porn aspect of it so Kate tells April that her and Tyler almost broke up and she's like but we didn't because we agreed to go to a counselor and Kate's like I honestly don't even get what the problem is (laughs) which I thought was funny and I think that that unfortunately is a lot of their relationship still Is that, like, Kate, I think, is very wrapped up in her own depression and is at this point, like, I don't think she ever, you know, has been able to, like, fully understand, like, what Tyler wants and needs in a relationship. And I can't say I, like, totally blame her for it. And she's like, you know, I don't even think we have problems, but, like, I'll go to a counselor. (laughs) Which is weird and sad that she like didn't even know why Tyler's really upset but unfortunately like I think that's still the case in a lot of their fights and April asks what Caitlin will do if Tyler breaks up with her and Caitlin goes I don't know die and that's it April doesn't push back at her at all like you'll be okay which made me really sad because if I said that to my mom about my boyfriend when I was 18 like I'm gonna die if he breaks up with me she'd be like no, you're not. You're going to be okay. I know it feels that way, but he's not your whole life. He has so much going for you. Like, my mom would have hyped me the fuck up about how I could be single and how I would be okay and how he's not the be-all, end-all of everything. She has done that for me quite a few times. And so it made me, like, really depressed to realize that April did not care to do that for her, did not know to do that for her. So Caitlin and Tyler go to see Kathleen, which I think is the therapist that Tyler continues to see for years up until the season when he started going to that holistic psychiatrist, which, you know, jury's still out on what that meant. And Tyler says that they're there because they're having issues with trust. Tyler has never been with another girl, so he doesn't know how it feels. And he was jealous that Kate had sex with another guy. And Kate got honest and was really sad. And she said, you know, I grew up with, well, she says, I grew up with a mother that was a really bad, I have a mother that's a really bad alcoholic. Well, like, was a really bad alcoholic. Because I guess maybe April was, like, only lightly drinking and smoking crack at this point. (laughs) 
And she said that, like, I don't know how to be in relationships. My mom would constantly have me lie to her boyfriends for her. And it can be hard for me to, like, tell the truth to Tyler. I thought that was, like, really good awareness from Kate. And it made me sad. And Kathleen seemed pleased with her that she said that. And apparently Carly's only nine months old. So they're only nine months post-adoption at this point. And I just can't imagine how raw everything was for Kate and Tyler, but especially Caitlin at this point, and how terrified she must have been to lose Tyler less than a year after giving up Carly. She was probably willing to do or say anything for Tyler at this point. And that's what I mean by Tyler being manipulative. I think that Tyler knew that and knew how desperate Kate was to stay with him and how desperate, like, she was to just do, she would do anything she could to keep him. And I think Tyler has kind of always known that, and that's always been the case between the two of them. Tyler's always held the keys to that relationship and been in the power position, and it's tough to watch. It's really tough to watch this. Um, Tyler says he forgives her for talking to this other guy or sleeping with this other guy, but he can't forget it, and he wants to, which I think is definitely, like, a natural... I don't fault him for that. I think that's a very real feeling for a lot of people like I just want to forget this and move on like I do want to forgive her but I I just can't so apparently counseling just like made things worse for Caitlin and Tyler according to Kate and I think that just means like counseling forced them to talk which she hated (laughs) and it brought up raw emotions and Tyler's like 17 years old and we already need to go to freaking counseling (laughs) so They go out to dinner, and this is when Tyler demands to see Kate's phone records, which is pretty gross, but they are 17, so I'm trying not to be, like, super-duper judgmental of it, because I'm not a judgmental person. Pause for laughs, pause for laughs. So, Kate is like, Tyler's like, I think the only way is that I can see your phone records so I know that you're not talking to him. Which, by the way, like, remember phone records? (laughs) Imagine someone asking you to see your phone records in 2019. I'd be like, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like, I know you can delete stuff from your phone, but it just seems like so crazy. It seems like, I don't know. It seems like a thing of the past to like get your phone records. It's like nothing even gets mailed to us anymore. You know, we're all paying online. So Kate says it makes her sick and she hates it. The idea of doing this and this is, like, what is so shitty of Tyler. And he still does that. He's like, trust me, I hate it too. I hate it. But I have the right to do this. And I need to do this if we're going to stay together. <laughs> so fucking manipulative. The episode ends with Kate crying, saying that she hates herself every day for this. Which is dark, you know? They're fighting over a lot of the same stuff. It's really sad and dark. And I cannot believe, after watching this and then thinking about this last season with the separation that these two bozos are still together. I just want Kate to move on. I want Tyler to move on. I just want them to separate. Like, for real, for real, separate. And, like, live their own lives. They need it. Ugh. Ugh. Those two. It's, it's, I would say, like, the hardest part about, so Macy's and I would say Amber's weren't really that similar to, like, where they are now. But Farrah and Kate definitely like at least the emotions are very very similar to where they are now and that's 
pretty tough to watch because these episodes are nine years old at this point. And speaking of, let's go on to Farrah. So Farrah had quite the depressing episode. We are fully in the aftermath of the fight with Farrah and Deb. If you will remember, Farrah and Deb got into an altercation. Farrah says Deb attacked her. Deb to this day maintains that Farrah threw something at her and started the fight. Who knows? Do I believe that those two would have physical fights? Yes. Do I believe that Farrah would sometimes start the physical fights? Yes. Do I believe that Deborah probably started most of them? Yes. So, honestly, like, it's kind of hard for me to watch these scenes with an objective, an objective view with either of them, really. So, Farrah has moved out because there's a no contact order between her parents and her. Well, I guess just Deb and her, and she can't live in the house anymore. She is broke. Because for the first time in her life, she has to pay for stuff. As you guys will remember from her 16 and pregnant, like, her parents have always funded everything for her, basically. Um, She is currently annoyed with her mom and hasn't talked to her in a while. Um, And she doesn't want to talk to her until the lawyers basically figure out... I guess there's not a no-contact order. But they're not supposed to be... I think... I don't know exactly. Should have done research. (laughs) I... In my memory, Farah had to move out because of the no contact order. But Farah says she's annoyed at her mom because of how Deb acted at Sophia's birthday party. So I guess they did see each other. Farah declares that it sucks to live on her own and pay her own bills, which, yeah, I relate to. Uh, she does get help for child care. The state pays for her child care. Uh, we find out when Farah gets to work at a pizza place that she is going to be cut off from the child care fund not fun credit I guess would be the word because she makes too much money but you know she's in that awful place where she makes too much money to qualify for aid but not actually enough money to live which is a very real problem for a lot of Americans they make just over the amount required uh for benefits but life is really expensive and they're not being paid an actual living wage it's really shitty America sucks so (laughs) Find out Farrah hasn't talked to her mom in two weeks and she goes to meet with the prosecutor. The prosecutor basically explains that they've offered Deborah a deal and they are essentially willing to drop the domestic violence charge against Farrah if Deborah agrees to go to anger management. But the prosecutor says that he cannot let go what Deb did to the police. Now, if you guys <laughs> will remember, <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe this happened. During this fight, obviously, the police were called. I believe Farrah called the police. And when the police came, Deb answered the door with, like, a kitchen knife, like a steak knife. (laughs) And the police ordered her to put it down, and she didn't. And they drew guns on her and, like, had the, you know, like, the red laser thing pointed at her (laughs) because she wouldn't put down the knife. Now, Deb claims that she happened to be cooking at the time. And so she answered the door with the knife that she was using. Um, She doesn't ever really explain why she didn't put down the knife when ordered, which really lends to the idea that this whole fight was probably Deborah's fault. Um, Farrah is a very, I would honestly, the word I would use for early seasons, Farrah, is very pathetic. She's very pathetic to be in this episode. That's the only way that I can describe the way that she acts. It's just... There's something so sad about her. She's already very stunted. She already is, like, you know, she has that, like, weird sense air about her of, like, bratty entitlement. But then at the same time, like, 
is very stubborn, is also very, like, desperate for her parents' attention and love, which is just, like, a really sad and depressing combination for anybody to have, in my opinion. And it's especially sad and depressing in Farrah. You know, I will say, like, at least in later seasons, pathetic is not a word that I would use for Farrah. You know, she's awful. She's a nightmare. She's a terrible human. But she's not pathetic. And in here, it's like, it's kind of crazy to watch because you can see aspects of the Farrah that she is today, especially when she's talking to her mom. She gets that voice that now is almost her full-time voice. But what you can really see is, like, a chance that she was going to go another way. She talks a lot about Derek in this episode because if you'll remember, we find out about Derek dying at the beginning of the season. That is something that I very much remember because they do not mention Derek's death in the entire first season or on the 16 and Pregnant episode. In the first season, he's actually painted as a deadbeat dad. They don't say anything, but Farrah like quickly says like my baby's father isn't in the picture. <laughs> Which anybody knows means that my baby's father, like, is not parenting, not my baby's father is dead. And then I guess they figured, like, it would be a good time to bring it in. I still don't know why they didn't include it in the 16 and Pregnant. I don't know why they didn't include it in the in the season one of Teen Mom. I'm wondering if they were worried about a lawsuit from his family. Doesn't make any sense that then all of a sudden in season two of Teen Mom, they're like, is like he's been dead for a year and a half it's very weird it's very weird I would like a full explanation from that from a real true explanation for that from producers if I could ask the producers like honest questions and they had to give me answers, like honest answers one of them would be like tell me what your thought process was on not including Derek's death and 16 and pregnant in the first season of Teen Mom so like I was saying it's you watch this episode and in parts of it, she seems very normal. She seems like a normal, you know, bratty, but normal teen single mom. She is pretty. She seems like a hard worker. She works a lot. She kind of is getting her shit together for the first time. You know, she got her own apartment. She's paying her own bills. She's struggling, but like doing what she has to do. And then, like, when she talks to Deb and a little later in the episode, you, like, see the delusion that then ends up, like, you know, overtaking her. Because I would say Farrah's life is, like, ruled by delusion, right? Like, that's her main problem is, like, just the level of delusion that she lives with. <laughs> whatever, whatever spurs that, whatever mental health situation she has going on that spurs, that is, like, really Farrah's biggest issue. So Deb and Michael sit, oh, the the prosecutor says, like, he can't let go of the police part. So they're offering her a misdemeanor charge, something with, like, uh, interference with a police officer. And she basically is going to take that. We find out Deb and Michael talk, and Deb and Michael are still married at this point, and they are having, remember these weird conversations that Deb and Michael used to have? I, like, kind of forgot about these where Deb would just, like, be in her weird, like, borderline personality, narcissistic personality, whatever, crazy monologuing that she does. Because Deb loves to monologue. And Michael would sit there and be like, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Okay, dear. And then you remember he cheated on her, like, 900 times, we found out, in Marriage Boot Camp. <laughs> 
Deb and Michael, I can't believe they stayed married as long as they did. Do you think Deb used to, like, beat the shit out of Michael? I do. Have they ever talked about that? I can really picture Deb just, like, wailing on Michael. <sighs> so unhealthy. It is, like, it's no wonder Farrah is the way that she is. I think, I always will wonder, though, like... Not if Derek did Sure, if Derek didn't die. I mean, I've always said, like, if Derek didn't die, Farrah and him would have just spent the rest of Sophia's life fighting for custody. They would have not been together. They just would have been fighting. But what I wonder is, like, if Farrah never got on Teen Mom. And, like, I really think that her being on a reality TV show just, like, exasperated all of the issues that she had and, like, put a magnifying mirror onto all of the issues that she had. And then I think doing the porn like really fucked with her brain I don't think that she could handle that I don't think a lot of people can handle sex work and I don't think fair could or does is able to handle it well even though that's her career now as far as we know and I think that that really was a trauma for her doing the porn even though it was something that she agreed to do very much was an active participant um even <sighs> I mean, now she says that James Dean raped her during the porn, but her story does not track with what he did or what happened. And she also made up like an entire relationship she had while telling the story is very, I don't know. I don't like to call, I don't like to say people are lying in that regard, but like Farah was lying throughout the article in which she said that he raped her and like telling lies of like dates they had that they did not that just never happened so who knows but I think just in general doing that doing that porn like really was a trauma for her and I think everything involved with that was a trauma for her um and I I just think this show has been a trauma for her and I think, like, growing up with her parents was a trauma, and then Derek's death was obviously a trauma, and having to having to have Sophia, even though she wanted an abortion, was a huge trauma. And I just think, like, Farrah's life has been trauma after trauma, and it just, like, broke her brain, and that's really sad. But then where, like, the sadness kind of ends is, like, you see what she's doing to Sophia, and then you're, like, not so sad anymore. It's kind of like Janelle, you know, where it's, like, it's really sad that how Janelle got to where she is is very, very sad. But where the sadness ends is that she's not protecting her children and she's actively abusing her children. And I think the same is for Farah. And watching this episode, it kind of made me realize, like, or just think about, like, what Farah's life would have been and Deb and Michael's life would have been if they never got this team mom fame. Like, I think Farah still would have moved out of Council Bluffs, Iowa, but she, like, would have went to Florida for college, you know, like she did and, like, stayed in Fort Lauderdale and just, like, made it work in Fort Lauderdale. And would she still have been, like, unhealthy and on mental health issues and, like, all a bunch of shit? Like, yeah, I think so because she still suffered all of those pre-fame traumas. But I really think that, like, being on this show was the worst thing that could happen to Farrah and her entire family. I do not – I think that out of everyone – this show has been the worst for Farah, And I just think whatever issues she has have just been, like, just made tenfold by being in the public eye. And I think every decision that she makes now is spurred by a desire to be in the public eye in a way that none of the other moms on the show is. And I think that is so unhealthy. And I think that, like, addiction to fame and attention that she has is just so out of control and that's like really what it is I bet Farrah's always been a person that craves attention and this just like gave her 
such an addiction to it and such an addiction to the celebrity and it rules her entire life i also think that there's substance abuse issues going on with her like i mean that video from when she got arrested at the beverly hills hotel and she's like so fucking drunk and screaming like i i mean i would not be surprised if Farah has to numb herself out with drugs and alcohol like her life seems awful like really awful anyway back to this episode so deb and michael are having this talk deb is doing her narcissistic monologuing and Deb is saying that she is she will not admit to any guilt, but she's going to take the misdemeanor to just move on from this. She's upset that she has to carry this around, and she didn't do anything. And she even says, like, Farrah didn't mean to attack me. <laughs> oh, God. Deb should never have had children. Like, truly, if anybody on this show should not have had children, it's one Deborah. What's her last name? Michelson? She's unhinged in a way that is all her own. I will say I miss her on the show. Watching them on the show, like, kind of made me miss them. And I didn't think that I did. And I don't think I do when I'm, like, actively watching the show. But when I was watching their scenes, I was like, I'd like to see the, I'd like to see this trio again. So, Deb is crying, you know, that, like, weird fake crying that she does, saying she had her whole life taken away from her. She also says that Farrah tried to break her finger, which kind of made me laugh, because she probably did, but after Deb started the fight. So, Farrah agrees to meet with Deb, because the prosecutor told her not to cut her family out, which seemed like bad advice to me, and they meet up at, like, a library. It's a very weird room. (laughs) I don't know where they are. And Farrah walks in and sits down and Deb goes, and you know her voice. She's like, hi, Farrah. How have you been? That just weird fake voice. And Farrah immediately is in her weird voice where she's like, I've been great. I'm great, mom. I think you already asked me how I was. I'm okay. You know that like awful voice that she reserves for her parents. (laughs) Uh, Deb's trying to talk to her and Farrah's giving her really short answers. They're both trying not to cry. And Deb tells Farrah that she agreed to the plea deal and that she's going to go to counseling and do a community service project and that she really wants them to be a family again. And Farrah's like, well, once you're finished those things, we can see what happened. I wish I could do a good mimic of Farrah, but I I mean, I wish I could do a good mimic of anyone. Somebody commented or DM me or said somewhere that I was really good at impressions and I was like, wow, I'm not. But like, it made me feel good that they said that. I wish I could do impressions. Troy is really good at impressions. I wish I could do them. What if this podcast was just all impressions? Amanda loves Amanda loves to hate Teen Mom does good impressions. And she's actually, I think, doing this episode next week. Because I didn't realize that she is recapping old OG episodes and just did season two, episode three. So yeah, you should listen to Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom if you are like me and you're more curious about what is going on in early Teen Mom OG seasons. Yeah, you should definitely do that because she will have a recap with funny voiceovers. (laughs) Not voiceovers. uh, Impressions. So Deb wants to talk to Farrah, but Farrah says, like, it's not going to work. They're not going to be together. And (laughs) Deb goes, I'm sorry, Farrah. And Farrah goes, good for you. (laughs) It was just so classic. Deb then does something psychotic level 100 she pulls out Farrah's baby book and says she's like I just want to read to you we wrote our first impressions down when you were born and 
Deborah reads her first impressions of Farrah, which is like, I love Farrah. She's so beautiful. Farrah starts crying. Is like, yeah, but that's how you felt when I came out, not how you feel now. And Deb is like, it's never changed. Oh my God. It's such a mess. Deborah says, Michael and I would like you to know that we love you and we never stopped and we would like to move forward. So rude to include Michael in this, like who has no part in this. So Ferris starts crying and the scene ends. And it's like, I would honestly suggest watching the episode just for this scene because it's like truly wild. So Ferris goes out to drink with her friend Christina, who is also her hairstylist. And they order this big pineapple non-alcoholic drink. And they talk to some guy. And as they leave the restaurant, they're walking out and this couple walks past them. And the guy and the couple, like they blurred his face. Uh, yells out, you're sexy, and Ferris screams back, like, isn't that your fucking wife? It was such a weird, I couldn't tell if it was scripted. I guess it wasn't, because they blurred his face. But I was like, damn, does that happen to Farrah? Do random men, adult men, when, you know, she's only like 18 or 19 in this episode, but like grown-ass men with their wives just scream at her like, you're sexy? No wonder Farrah's fucked up, guys. <laughs> so Farrah... Talks to Christina and talks to her about how she's not interested in dating. She can't meet any guys because her standards are so high. And Derek was just like the end all and be all of all guys. He was so happy. If he never died, they'd be living together so happy. And these scenes are hard to watch when she does this. Because it's like, if you've read her book, which you guys know I have not. But I have read all of the interesting excerpts from it. And if you read the interesting excerpts from Farrah's book you'll know that Derek was horrific to her. They were awful together. As we saw in her 60 and pregnant, when Derek died, there were pending charges, felony charges against Michael because Michael pulled out a knife on Derek. Like, there was, after he found Derek in Ferris' bed, like, their relationship has never been, their relationship was never good, it's never been good, and it just is one of those things that's like, it's just crazy. It's just... It's just so hard to watch because it's so obvious that she's romanticizing him post-death. And it's hard to know that she, that she still holds on to this, like, weird thing that if her if Derek was alive, like, everything in her life would have been fine when it's absolutely not the truth. And the reality is Derek probably wouldn't have been a very active parent, just like almost all of the teen dads on this show and IRL. And they would have just kept fighting. Michael would have maybe had to go to prison for this fight that he had with Derek. And I don't mean to laugh, but it's just, but you also can't say like you're wrong because she's in such like a sick place and that's why she's romanticizing it. So it's, it's sad. It really is sad. And I don't know. I definitely like watching Farrah early seasons has me interested. I want to watch I should have watched that episode where her car got... Remember when she got Craigslist scammed for the car? She sold her car on Craigslist and, like, shipped her car. And then the check didn't clear and she was out, like, thousands of dollars. Early Seasons Fair is really interesting when you keep in mind, like, who she is today and what type of person she ended up being. She's the one that is, I think, the most interesting to watch in retrospect. Because it's just so crazy how similar she is but how different she is and it's just like you're watching it and you're like how did she get from there to here and you know she did that porn like not long after this scene I really do think that that was like the worst decision that she ever made in her life and not because like 
from a judgmental place of porn. I just mean, like, for Farah. I think that was the worst decision she could have made. I think that that set her life on a path that she did not want to be on and she had no clue how to get off. And that's why she spent all that time lying and saying she did a celebrity sex tape that was leaked. Like, she couldn't even admit that she did it, even though she very much did a porn with Vivid Entertainment that was, like, a full production with a porn star. Um, And I just, you know, after that, she did all the stuff in the strip clubs, and then she did the sex toys, and then she's doing cam shows, and now she's doing escorting. And I just think that that is not what she wanted I don't think she feels good about the sex work that she does. I don't think she's making an empowered choice. And I think that she really has a hard time with it. And I think that, like, once she got, once she did the sex tape, I think she just kind of, like, figured, well, this is my life now. And these are, like, the choices that I'm going to make now. And I think that that just, like, really caused her to really spiral beyond belief. And I don't. I just don't understand why she did it in the first place. I really, I don't understand, like, why she chose to do it. I'll never, I'll never really truly get that. Well, I guess I do. It's because she was so desperate for attention. And the show was off the air. And I guess she needed money. But Fair works. Like, it's not like Fair is scared of hard work. So I don't understand why she didn't just, like, keep her head down in Iowa and work at restaurants. I mean, it sucks to be poor. I get it. I get it. I understand why she wanted money and she'd gotten a little used to fast cash and wanted to stay relevant. And this was before social media monetization, which seems, I mean, it seems crazy that we ever lived in like a pre-social media monetization world in a pre-influencer world, but we did. And it was only like four years ago or less. And ads are still like very new, which is, you know, crazy because it feels so all-encompassing in our society. But it's just so sad that, like, this is the life that she went instead of just being, like, a normal, regular stay-at-home, well, not stay-at-home, but, like, working single mom supporting her and her daughter. It's actually sad that Depp didn't let her get an abortion. That's, like, the real biggest sadness thing. Although, if she got an abortion and then Derek died, like, I don't, I think with Derek's death that it wouldn't have... I mean, it would have been obviously better if she was not parenting. I think we can all agree on that. But I think she may have spiraled even worse if she had aborted Derek's baby and then he died. I don't know how she would have coped with that. I don't think very well. Ugh, Farrah never should have been allowed on MTV by her parents. Her parents should have never allowed her to go on MTV. Anyway, let me talk about Amber now. Last but not least, I did this episode... Because it's the one where Amber and Gary get engaged again, again, again. But they get engaged in Florida. I thought it was the War Fiance Now episode, but I guess she doesn't say that till the next episode. So, Gary's unemployed and Leah's working part-time at a tanning salon. Amber is peak drugged Amber. I believe she had already been arrested for domestic violence at this point. I believe. Because didn't they get into that huge fight in season one? And then everybody called the police, and so she got arrested after season one aired. And by the time it came back, she was already, like, on probation, or, like, she was already in trouble and on probation. But Amber is teeny tiny in this season. She is peak Krav Maga. <laughs> remember? Guys, remember? Like, she came back thin, and in the first episode, she's like, I've been doing Krav Maga. And it's like, really? She's just been, like, doing opioids all the time. 
relatable. So they are deciding to go on a trip to Florida. Um, I love how they're like peak white trash in this episode. And I think Farrah would agree with that. That's the only reason that I'm calling her that. I don't like to use that classist term, but I think that Amber would call it that. They're talking about how they have to drive to Florida. They're going to bring her dad to watch a kid and they're going to have to drive to save money. Like the only way they'll be able to afford to go is to, uh, is to drive. And Amber's like, yeah, we'll just put some Lunchables in a cooler or something for the drive down. <laughs> it was just so funny. I like, I miss the rawness of Gary and Amber being poor. Cause you guys know, like the poverty porn aspect of it is part of why we all tuned in. So they decide to drive to Florida in their old minivan. They pick up Amber's dad and it's a 16 hours drive and Leah's like flipped out the entire drive down. Basically the entire narrative of this episode is how much Amber hates being a mom. Like every time she does a voiceover, she's like, it's really hard being a mom. It's really hard with Leah. This isn't fun when Leah's here. It's not a vacation if a baby's here. Everybody else is on spring break, but I have a baby with me. The beach sucks when the baby's here. Like, every single voiceover she does is about how much Leah's, like, ruining her life. Which, yeah, I think we can all agree that Amber should not be a mom. Which is why it's really sad that she had another baby. By the way, I have declared that I think, in light of Leah Messer's breaking the cycle thing, so I think out of the kids with the messier parents, who would be like Janelle's kids, Amber's kids, Leah's kids, um, who else is on the show? I guess Farrah, obviously Farrah's kids. I would include those. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't really include Kale's kids, even though maybe I should. But, like, let's say out of those four... I think that Leah Shirley is going to be the one that, like, truly breaks the cycle. The reason I don't include, like, Bentley is because even though his dad is a mess, like, he has such a strong support system, and his mom, his stepdad, and then grandparents on both sides. And I would say the same for uh, for Aubrey, too. Mom, stepdad, grandparents on both sides, cousins, like, a ton of support. Um, Kate and Tyler, I don't know if their kids really count because they're not their teen mom kids, you know? So, I just don't really know if they count in this scenario. Um, and I don't know who else is on this show. But, out of the ones that I listed, I think Leah Shirley is going to do good things in life. You know, for just having her dad and her stepmom, they don't seem to have a lot of family and a lot of support outside of that. We know how Gary's mom is. There was a time where Leah was in her grandmother's custody. Like, she's had a lot of up and downs. I think Leah Shirley is going to grow up to be okay. I have a good feeling about Leah Shirley. The rest, we'll see. Statistically, they're going to have a hard time. But, you know, statistics can always be proven wrong. So, they go to Florida and they go right to meet her uncle. They're staying at her uncle's house and they have dinner. And after, or the uncle says that they should come there for the honeymoon and Amber slurs out. She's, by the way, Amber's voice is so fucking weird in this episode she speaks and like obviously it's because she's high as shit but she's speaking like her pitch is higher and she, i swear she doesn't talk like this the rest of the series but the uncle mentions like a honeymoon and amber's like that's all up to him you know i'm old-fashioned that way i'm old-fashioned basically being like gary needs to propose to her she keeps repeating in this episode how old-fashioned she is which is i mean pretty comical coming from amber 
So she also declares that she knows what she wants and she's not waiting forever. <laughs> I love the idea of like, she's like 18, probably 20 at this point because she was a little older. And she's like, well, I'm not waiting forever. Not to mention like the domestic violence charges and like all that mumbo jumbo. So the uncle pulls Gary aside as they're leaving and he says, you guys should get married. I know the perfect place. <laughs> and Gary's like, well, um, well, and the uncle says, you're never going to leave that girl. You guys are going to, you guys are in love. She's going to be difficult, but that's who she is. Ugh. Carrie's like, well, I really want to marry her, but, you know, like, we don't have the rings, we don't have the money for the rings, but, like, I don't know, I guess, like, I guess, like, the rings don't matter if, like, we just want to get married, and the uncle's like, yeah, 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 get married, get married, it's so weird, it's so weird, I can't imagine anyone ever encouraging Gary and Amber to get married, that, like, my mind was blown in that scene. So, it's Leah's first time at the beach, and she hates it, and she screams the whole time, and they have to leave, and, I mean... Leah was really hot as shit. They live in Indiana. Like, she's used to being cold. Then they bring her to this hot-ass beach in Florida. They didn't bring an umbrella. She's just, like, there in her bathing suit. She's never touched sand. She's probably just hot, to be honest. <laughs> they go out to... That night, they go out to a bar. The uncle babysits. And they get drunk. They go dancing. And they seem to be having fun. And then we get the piece de resistance of this episode, which is Amber and Gary go to the beach at dusk. Amber's in, like, this blue dress that she wears this whole episode. You can see how thin she is. Amber once again brings up about how she's old-fashioned and she wants Gary to propose to her. And Gary says, you can have your old ring back. I got it in my pocket if you want it. I was going to ask you to marry me. <laughs> and Amber's like, what? I mean, if you're going to give me a ring, like, here, I have a ring on my finger. And she says... It's a real ring that won't turn my finger. And obviously she means, like, won't turn my finger green. Like, the fake, remember the Walmart ring that he asked about the return policy on? <laughs> and Gary's like, well, you bought that ring. And she, Amber's like, a ring is a ring. She's like, you have to ask me the right way. You have to ask me the right way. And they're just, like, having this fight this whole time. Like, they're not speaking nicely to each other. They're fighting. So Gary gets down on one knee and he says, I know we've been through a lot, but do you want to marry me again? And Amber's like, Gary, don't say it like that. And he says, okay, do you want to marry me? And she's like, that's not right. It's will you? And so they have this whole fight where Amber's saying, you have to say, will you marry me? And Gary's like, I didn't know I had to say, will you marry me? And she's like, you don't even want to marry me. And he's like, I didn't know I had to ask the right way. I didn't know I had to say, will you? And so finally he goes, fine, will you marry me? And she goes, with the flattest tone you've ever heard in your life, she goes, promise you'll be there for me and you won't run out all the time? And he's like, yeah, I promise. And she goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> the fight is, like, it's honestly incredible. Like, they have a full on camera, so who knows how long it lasted in real life. But in this episode, they've just been, like, four full minutes going back and forth fighting about the engagement and how shitty of a job Gary's doing. It's amazing. I mean, that's classic TV. Gary being like, you can have your old ring back. Like, that's how Gary asks, will you marry me? You can have your old ring back. 
Oh, it was classic. That's it for this week. I'm not sure. I guess next week is when the last reunion airs. But look, guys, I've been thinking about it. I don't know if I'm going to review the reunion at all. I don't, I don't care. Unless something explosive happens on the reunion episode next week um, that needs to be discussed. I think I already discussed Nessa confronting Janelle Wright. If I didn't, I, I'll talk about that at the top of the episode, I guess. But I'm going to do another throwback episode. I'm not sure exactly which episode I'm going to do or what I'm going to talk about, but I am going to do another throwback episode. I just don't care about the reunions, and I don't see the point in talking about, like, one second of drama. I mean, really, that's what my podcast should be called, One Second of Drama, because that's all there is. But, yeah, um, I know some people won't be thrilled with that, but I just, I can't do it. I can't, like, watch and take notes on three episodes of reunions that are total horseshit, except for one minute of Nessa calling out Janelle and then Janelle crying the rest of the time. Anyway, that's it. Love to love ya. Have a good week. I'll talk to you bye. I'll talk to you bye. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah Giovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.